This hearing of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee will come to order. Today, the committee will consider the nominations of two experienced career Foreign Service officers to be the U.S. Ambassadors to the Republic of Congo and Senegal and Guinea-Bissau, respectively. I was pleased to meet with each of uh, today's nominees in my office several weeks ago and to learn more about them and about their potential postings. So thank you for coming by. Senegal remains uh, stable in the region, often plagued with instability uh, around, but it's one of the few countries in Africa to have never experienced a coup d'etat. We, uh, we cooperate well with Senegal on counterterrorism and uh, with other issues. Our relationship with Guinea-Bissau has been strained on account of a near constant stream of political crises, and the previous administration took some steps to try to make that relationship more positive. The Republic of Congo continues to uh, present challenges for the United States with trade and investment ties. Uh, trade and investment ties with Congo center on the country's energy resources and for the region in which it is all too common for heads of state to try to alter or bypass uh, congressional term limits so they can just hang on to power. I thank both of you for your time, for sharing your expertise with us. Uh, I want to pass along our thanks uh, to your family members. I'm sure you will make some introductions. We appreciate the sacrifices that, that they make um, and for all the good work that you do. With that, I'll recognize Senator Booker. I appreciate that. I want to echo uh, my colleagues, uh, my chairman's, excuse me, uh, words today. This is a tremendous moment to be able to sit here with the two of you who have very long uh, esteemed careers in the State Department uh, and Foreign Service. I've been on the in the Senate for a short time, a few years, and been uh, on this committee for short weeks. Um, but I'm very familiar with the important role you all play for our country, and I'm, I just want to thank you both uh, for the service that you've rendered. Uh, let it state clear, and I know that I speak for all the senators on this dais, that your work, your safety, uh, and your success is a priority for me and for us. Uh, the countries which you have been nominated to, ser uh, to serve in uh, have very important U.S. policy interests, and frankly, I think they have interests uh, that are important to all of humanity. Uh, Senegal, as was discussed by the chairman, uh, they have their stability, their strong civil society and relatively free press is a beacon of hope for Muslim-majority countries. And for Guinea-Bissau and the Republic of Congo, uh, they continue to have uh, grave concerns, uh, concerns of poor governance, uh, political conflict, uh, and humanitarian challenges. Uh, I really do believe that all of us as Americans should be deeply concerned about the success of those, uh, the people of those countries and our role in that is critical. Uh, it's a testimony to the two of you. This is something that's really exciting to me that we have President Obama and President Trump showing their accord. Uh, this is a vast territory in which they obviously agree uh, on things. And uh, that's really a testimony to the qualifications of the two individuals that sit before us. So thank you very much. I look forward uh, to your testimony. Uh, and I do want to say, uh, as I said to you in the back room, we're very uh, unfortunately crunched for time. Uh, having uh, to go uh, see uh, the president in, in regards to um, North Korea. So um, uh, um, we look forward to having a, a good hearing, cogent hearing, even if it's uh, relatively brief compared to others. Thank you, Mr. Booker, Senator Booker. Our first nominee, uh, Tulanabo Mashingi, career member of the, Senate, uh, the Senior Foreign Service, who currently serves as U.S. Ambassador to Burkina Faso, a position he's held since uh, 2013. This is the second time I've had the pleasure of being present uh, for one of his confirmation hearings. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, welcome back. Our second nominee is Todd Haskell, who serves as Deputy Assistant Secretary in the Bureau, Bureau of African Affairs 
Prior to that, he was at the Africa Bureau's Director of Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs. Mr. Haskell joined the Foreign Service in 1985 and served in the Dominican Republic, South Africa, Burkina Faso, Pakistan, Philippines, Poland, Israel, Egypt, and Mexico. I'm trying to figure some nexus in all that, but uh, I've failed. They're all on the planet Earth. <laughs> they, they are, they are. And so uh, we have uh, before us two very experienced uh, diplomats. Uh, we appreciate you being here. And uh, Mr. Masingi, will you begin? Uh, Mr. Chairman, ranking member, distinguished members of the committee, I'm honored to appear before you once again as a President Trump's nominee for United States Ambassador to the Republic of Senegal and the Republic of Guinea-Bissau. I very much appreciate the confidence and trust that the President and Secretary of State have shown in nominating me for this position. I'm equally grateful to receive this distinguished committee's consideration. Allow me to thank my wife of 35 years, Rebecca, and our daughter who have supported me through my career. My work and travels across Africa, including as ambassador to Burkina Faso, have provided me with the experience needed to foster strong ties between the United States, Senegal, and Guinea-Bissau. Uh, Senegal is one of our most reliable partners in Africa in our efforts to boost economic growth, promote good governance, fight terrorism, as well as counter the drivers of terrorism. For example, to strengthen our defense capabilities, in 2016, our two countries signed a defense cooperation agreement that gives the United States the ability to respond quickly to emergency situations in the region. Senegal also hosts uh, one of the largest Peace Corps programs in Africa. Turning now to Guinea-Bissau, its long-standing political impasse and weak governance not only threaten the country's own development, they also set a dangerous example for the region. If confirmed, I will strengthen our efforts to promote economic development, stable civilian governance to increase democracy, and counter drug trafficking in the Gulf of Guinea. Mr. Chairman, I have been fortunate to work in public service, in particular on African issues, for over 27 years. If confirmed, I will work hard with our US mission teams to advance US national security interests, to reflect American values, to protect American citizens and interests, and to maximize the effectiveness of our cooperation between Senegal and in Senegal and Guinea-Bissau. Thank you very much for inviting me today. Uh, I would be pleased to answer any questions you may have. Thank you, Mr. Masingi. Uh, Ambassador Hassel. If confirmed. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, it's an honor to be here before you today as the President's nominee to be the U.S. Ambassador to the Republic of Congo. If confirmed, I'll work closely with this committee and with interested members of Congress to advance U.S. interests and U.S. values in the Congo and to help all Congolese achieve the bright future they deserve. Accompanying me here today is my wife, Jennifer, who's traveled all the way to be with us, all the way from South Africa, where she serves as the management counselor at our embassy in Pretoria, and two of my children, Michael and Jonah, who've come from Texas and New York, respectively. My, my third son is actually currently teaching English in China and cannot be with us. Raise your hand, would you? Right there? Okay, good. Thank you. The Republic of Congo, with a population of about four and a half million people, sits in a strategically important position on the oil-rich Gulf of Guinea. It's the fourth largest oil producer in sub-Saharan Africa, and approximately 500 U.S. citizens live in the Republic of Congo, and U.S. businesses are active in the petroleum sector and other industries. President Denise Sassou-Nguesso has played a valuable role as a mediator in regional crises. Under his leadership, Congo has deployed peacekeepers to the Central African Republic for more than a decade now and is a hosting approximately 35,000 refugees from that country. Congolese troops deploying to the Central African Republic receive U.S. government-sponsored training. And the Congo military also participates in the International Military Education and Training Program. U.S. policy seeks to promote the development of democratic institutions and the long-term stability of Congo. President Sasu has been in power for 33 of the last 38 years. He overcame constitutional term limits through a referendum in October 2015, and he was re-elected president in March 2016. Our public statements at that time criticized the flawed electoral process and the arrests of opposition leaders following the vote, while praising the people of Congo for their active participation in the election. If confirmed, I will continue to emphasize the need for good governance and effective institutions that serve the citizens of Congo. The United States is one of many countries addressing a broad range of health issues in Congo, in, such as poor child nutrition, HIV, malaria, and tuberculosis, and U.S. assistance in the health sector also focuses on identifying emerging infectious diseases such as Ebola. Embassy Brazzaville coordinates with several U.S. government agencies to assist Congo on natural resources management and the protection of Congo's flora and fauna, including lowland gorillas, and forest elephants. Mr. Chairman, if confirmed, I will bring the collective experience of my 32 or so years in the Foreign Service to advance U.S. interests, to ensure the safety and welfare of all Americans and U.S. government employees, and to strengthen bilateral relations with and promote the long-term stability of the Republic of Congo. I'm looking forward to working with this committee in furtherance of these goals, and I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Mr. Mashingi, uh, with regard to Senegal, uh, when we spoke in our office, we talked about uh, U.S. business opportunities there. Uh, what uh, can we do more to, uh, to encourage U.S. businesses to locate and uh, employ uh, those in Senegal? Thank you, Senator, for that question. Uh, in fact, that uh, uh, economic growth and economic development is one of uh, our priorities in Senegal. And if confirmed, of course, I will continue in that uh, same uh, vein. 
uh, for Senegal, as uh, we discussed, uh, it's, uh, we are happy to see that the interest by the American uh, businesses, American companies, uh, that are now, or have been for a while, uh, continue to be uh, uh, interested in, uh, in Senegal. And Senegal has uh, proven to be a, a welcoming nation. In fact, the hospitality no, they are known for, called Teranga, is obvious when these companies start knocking on the door. The list of companies currently in Senegal is actually impressive, uh, more than 20 the last time I checked, including companies like uh, Citibank, uh, 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 the latest, which is uh, uh, NBA, just uh, studied an academy in, uh, oh. in Senegal for the whole continent of Africa. So uh, we have uh, Cosmos that is interested in, uh, in, uh, in oil and gas. So now we have really an opportunity to increase uh, this uh, range of companies interested in Senegal, and we will work hard to continue uh, uh, advocating for American companies that are interested to come to Senegal. There's been a rift lately between Senegal and Israel uh, after the sponsorship of the resolution with regard to settlement activity, and it's caused Israel to actually uh, uh, take some measures uh, with regard to economic aid that was promised and it might also affect our relationship. Uh, what do you see as your role there? If confirmed, uh, my role, Senator, will be to continue the dialogue that my predecessors have had with the government of Senegal about our values and about our relations with all our friends, including, uh, including uh, uh, Israel. Uh, one thing, I, I, if I can make just a couple of points on uh, that uh, uh, resolution, uh, it's good for us to note what the vote was, but also we need to uh, remember that Senegal, as a member of the OIC, the Organization of the Islamic uh, Cooperation, uh, is one of the few that has maintained for a long time diplomatic relations with Israel despite the pressure. The second point I just want to make on that uh, resolution is that it was uh, a unanimous resolution. Uh, the United States, we abstained, but it was 14 votes. All the countries of, uh, that of, of, on the committee uh, voted for that resolution. Mm -hmm. The final point I would make is that as we speak today, uh, the embassy of Israel is still open in in, uh, in Senegal. Uh, that, just to conclude, saying that really the discussion and the conversation continues between the two countries and us as uh, outsiders, us as partners, us as friends, we can only continue to work with the government of Senegal and making sure that they know where our American values uh, stand and what our stand is in relation to the other friends. Just quickly on uh, Guinea-Bissau, there's allegations that some of the military have been involved in uh, drug trafficking. Um, is there a cooperation, what cooperation can we have or do we have with the government uh, to ensure that that uh, doesn't continue? Thank you, Senator, for that question. Uh, Guinea-Bissau, as we said uh, earlier, uh, is really going through this uh, political impasse. Uh, but we have to note also that uh, the current democratically elected government is, uh, is uh, trying to work with 
their equivalent of the, the, the assembly, the uh, national assembly. And on drug trafficking especially, uh, I had my briefing, my consultation with a colleague from the uh, a drug enforcement agency. I've had my, my, my meeting with uh, uh, US, uh, USID, my meeting with DOD, and all of us are working with uh, the people of Guinea-Bissau and the government of Guinea-Bissau to make sure that they keep their attention focused on this issue of drug trafficking. The US Coast Guard is, was uh, looking at their port, port security, because most of the trafficking comes through, through the port. And with the, 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 the professionalization of the military, we are trying to get a military, a Guinea-Bissau military, that is aware of these issues and to uh, try to counter this uh, drug trafficking problem. Well, thank you. We've agreed to try to do this in one round, so I'll continue to go over my, my time limit, if that's okay. Um, Mr. Haskell, how many outside of your immediate family and the State Department and others know that there's a Republic of the Congo and not just a DRC? <laughs> um, you don't have to answer that, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of something clever to say. I think I just did. No, it's, it's true. I, I think there is a bit of what, Congo confusion, but I think the relationship with the Republic of Congo is, is, is very important in its own right. It is. It is. I'm grateful that uh, we put the importance on it. Part of the problem that we've had with uh, in terms of a business environment in the Republic of Congo has been the government's uh, unwillingness to settle its debt to contractors and individuals who have uh, done work there in the past. Uh, what role will you have if confirmed in uh, trying to, to get them to address that issue? Thank you for that question. Um, I, I, I think that if one just looked at Congo Brazzaville neutrally or objectively, you would think that it would be a tremendous investment uh, destination for U.S. investment. There's really significant natural resources, the petroleum sec uh, sector in, in mining, in, in forestry, and yet we really don't see that. We, we do see some U.S. companies that have invested there. Um, Chevron is active in the petroleum sector. Seaboard, uh, which is a Kansas-based food processing company operates there, but not the kind of level that you would expect given uh, the resources that they do have. And that really has to do with a uh, doing business environment that is extremely difficult. Uh, on the World Bank's ranking of doing business in countries, I believe, I believe the Republic of Congo ranks 177th worldwide out of some 190 or so nations, which is poor, not just by worldwide standards, but frankly, poor even in terms of the neighborhood, which has not always been a great place uh, to do business. So I think it's really important to work with the government to identify those issues. I think at a time of uh, low oil prices, it's, uh, there is real interest in the government in looking at diversifying the economy, about moving into entrepreneurship, about looking at other things. And that's the kind of sort of assistance and help we can provide. I also think that one thing that one case we have to make, and we have made it over time, but we need to continue to make it, is when you do have the kind of disputes which you refer to in your question, it's so important that the Republic of Congo try to resolve these disputes in a transparent manner with the, with the folks, with the businesses that they have disputes with, because that sends a signal to other investors about the possibility of going there. So if, if confirmed, I can assure you that I will be an advocate for U.S. businesses when they do get into conflicts such as the one you described.
Well, thank you. You touched on it in your opening statement, but one of the important parts of our relationship is the preservation of wildlife, mm -hmm. uh, some that uh, are only found in large numbers uh, in the Republic of the Congo, lowland gorillas, forest elephants. Mm -hmm. um, how important is our relationship there, and what are the biggest threats that we can help with? Right. I, I think our relationship is very important. I mean, the, the Congo Forest River Basin, it's the, the second largest tropical rainforest in the world. Um, it is, as, as I noted, but you've, you also noted, home to species which have really no other home or, or, or is particularly hospitable. We have had actually reasonably good success working with the, the government of the Republic of Congo in training their rangers about and, and, and working in efforts to protect their natural parks. I think those are important efforts. They're not expensive efforts. They're efforts that there are other international partners with whom we can work in the region, and I uh, will continue on that, down that line. Right. Thank you. Senator Booker. I'm grateful, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Machini, thank you very much for being here. It's, again, uh, grateful. And, and, and your wife, I think she smiled when you, there she is. <laughs> and and uh, it's nice to have your family with you. Uh, that's, that's tremendous. Um, I just want to ask you a little bit about the Senegal stability, and obviously it's seen as one of the more st stable countries, but they still seem to be working on reforms, and there were some reforms in 2016. Um, can you just evaluate those reforms for me and uh, let me know what you think about its sort of democratic trajectory overall? Thank you, Senator, for that question. Uh, Senegal is really, uh, has proven in that region to have uh, a commitment, strong commitment to democratic uh, values. It's one of the few countries where, in that region, where they have had this uh, a peaceful transfer of powers between uh, uh, different, different uh, administration, uh, from the opposition to the uh, majority, majority party. And, uh, and that tradition has existed since, since independence and still go, goes on. Now, the one thing that, uh, if confirmed, that we have to uh, continue working on is to see how we can strengthen those, the, uh, the, the principles that have already been acquired, that they already have, and they are doing in, uh, in Senegal. And uh, I was uh, discussing this with uh, a colleague, and one thing that uh, we have to do, and we have to continue working on, is uh, three areas w that we can focus on. One, trying to strengthen uh, the role of the civil societies, because they play an important role of kind of watchdog as far as what the executive and what the assembly, what they are doing. And they have been vocal, they have proven uh, the role in the society. The second one is really the youth board that we observe all around Africa how we can get the young people that co make the majority of the population, whether in Senegal, whether in many other African countries, for, to uh, encourage the participation in the democratic process. And nowadays, like we talk about millennials, uh, in some of those countries, we are talking about generation democracy. So that new generation, how we can get them to continue working in, in, uh, in, uh, in participating in the democratic uh, uh, process. The last one is the involvement of, uh, of women and uh, how uh, women and the role in the, the, the democratic process and also their participation 
in all uh, aspects of the uh, running, running the government. So uh, for Senegal, again, uh, the, the basic principles of democracy, we share the same commitment of uh, basic uh, uh, democratic rules, uh, democratic principle. We just have to continue working on that to strengthen what- So if I can, uh, two quick follow-ups on that. Um, the first of all is um, the, the role, we just had a, a very uh, fascinating hearing on Libya about, um, you know, the, we think of the role of the U.S. strength often in terms of the military, uh, but the people who were testifying were talking about the importance of the efforts we were doing to strengthen civil society. And so I worry about the U.S. investments, especially with some of the budget proposals that have already come out, about uh, that being the important role uh, uh, that we could be playing in stabilizing or strengthening a democracy. Do you have any thoughts about or advice as uh, an Article I branch of the U.S. government that focuses on funding uh, uh, the State Department about uh, investing in those uh, um, uh, the aspects of the State Department that focus on building civil society? Yeah, thank you, Senator. Uh, once again, what we are doing, uh, what I did, for example, in Burkina Faso, was to make priorities with the, the resources we have. Uh, the budget is voted, we, have, we are given resources, we work within those resources. So if confirmed for Senegal, again, is uh, to make those priorities clear. And I'm gonna interrupt you, uh, and I, I appreciate, no, I get your point, and you're being a very good, uh, <laughs> by, not, by not giving me your opinion um, uh, um, on, on, on overall funding levels. Uh, I guess that means that uh, uh, the, the chairman and I are gonna have to do our work without your input there. Um, let me ask you this last question on, on Senegal. What, what, are there any concrete lessons that we can apply um, uh, from uh, Senegal in terms of the other uh, uh, nations around in terms of building a stable uh, democracy? Thank you, Senator. Uh, the concrete lessons that uh, we can uh, apply uh, are that, uh, like we observed during the last elections, one lesson was that, indeed, uh, the participation of all members of the society, all members of uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, all the citizens, is important during an, ele an election to give legitimacy to the people elected. So using civil societies, working with civil societies, including giving space to all the political parties and also find respecting uh, the constitution that of the country, all those were principles that were clear when uh, Senegal uh, was going through uh, the last elections. All right, I'm gonna press with maybe with one more question and then we, we have two other senators who arrived and I wanna give them uh, ample opportunity. Um, but uh, Mr. Haskell, you, you've had a tremendous experience and especially uh, I wanna thank you, you know, you've done incredible work as a deputy secretary overall of Africa. And I guess while I have specific countries about um, the area in which you're gonna be, God willing, the ambassador, um, I, I do just have the overall concern about, um, you know, the chairman made a, 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 a insightful um, use of sarcasm about the confusion of two Congos. I have an overall concern with just America's attention and focus on uh, the subcontinent as a whole. And, and uh, especially with the, op the economic opportunities that are there, 
especially with uh, the challenges we have, um, uh, everything from uh, terrorism to uh, uh, how they're playing a role in other global dynamics. We've heard already about Israel uh, and the like. And I just wonder, for a guy that's new at this, you've been doing this for decades and focused on the, at least the subcontinent for some time now. If, do you have any wisdom that you would want to impart to uh, myself and my colleagues here about ways to uh, leverage U.S. influence in Africa for the good of humanity as well as American interests? No, thank you for that question. It's a great opportunity to talk about this. Um, I, I will note, and I think sometimes something that gets lost a little bit in the headlines when we look at what's going on about Africa is the extent to which Africa has dramatically transformed in a positive way over the last several decades. It wasn't that long ago where it was difficult to look at the continent and find too many democratic governments, where it was difficult to find ec economies that were thriving, uh, to find uh, places where innovation was occurring. And now we see it not everywhere on the continent, um, but in, in a great many places where you have elections, where you have alter, alteration of power between two different parties based on the results of elections, where you have economies, you have tech hubs in some places on the continent. I, I do think that the picture of the continent as a whole is sometimes much brighter than taking a quick glance at the headlines as they do hit the paper. I suppose one of the, another good sign is the fact that occasionally Africa does make headlines. In, in, in newspapers in a way that it really doesn't. I'll echo what Ambassador Mashingi said. I've spent most of my career as a public diplomacy officer, and that means I've been working a great deal with civil society. I've done the traditional diplomacy and the rest of it, but I've worked with young people, I've worked with women's groups, I've worked with disadvantaged groups, um, I've worked with civil society, certainly. And I, I think that there is a lot to be said there for the advances that are occurring there, and we've made a tremendous difference. The United States has a role to play, um, and I think working with, with civil society, working with other international partner, partners, working with like-minded governments, I think we can achieve even, even more moving forward. So um, I, I, I guess the, the one thing that I think is sort of not understood as well as it should be about Africa is the extent of how far it's come, and frankly, how, how bright its future is. Sir, thank you very much. Um, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. I'll, I'll, I'm concluding with my questions, but just a yes or no question really quick. I think this is really important to Senator Flake and I. Did you bring your two sons to support you or to try to intimidate uh, Senator Flake and I? Because they're big guys. Um, so I just need to know what their role here is. I, I kind of knew you'd be nice to me if they were here. So. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Senator Booker. Senator Brasso. Uh, thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, uh, Mr. Haskell, you used to keep using the word civil society, civil society. I want to ask you, because I, I appreciate the Congo's willingness to assist in promoting regional stability. I, I have concerns about the human rights abuses that have been committed um, by, by the troops. Uh, I was there with uh, a number of senators a couple of years ago, including uh, Cindy McCain, uh, Senator John McCain's wife, who is really a, a, a ferocious advocate. and. Uh, I will tell you that you know the Republic of Congo sent peacekeepers to the Central African Republic to serve in the African Union peacekeeping mission uh, and in the United Nations peacekeeping mission. Uh, and the United Nations received allegations, as you know, of sexual exploitation and abuse against these Republic of Congo peacekeepers in 2016. So you know, in addition, as you know, a mass grave was discovered linking the Congolese peacekeepers to torture and murder of civilians in 2016. 
The Republic of Congo troops killed at least 18 people that we know of, including women and children, uh, between December of 2013 and June of 2015. On June 8th of last year, the Minister of Justice stated that the soldiers in question would face justice by the end of the year. And I want to ask about that. Uh, unfortunately, I understand the investigation into the killings as well as the sexual exploitations and abuses uh, were still pending at the end of 2016. You know, I think to everyone in this room, it is unacceptable, it is outrageous that the United Nations peacekeepers are inflicting such atrocities against the very people that they're sent to protect. So as the largest contributor to the United Nations peacekeeping missions, you know, the, the United States, I believe, must take action to prevent future exploitation of these vulnerable populations in conflict zones and to ensure individuals are held accountable for these crimes. Um, under United Nations rules, the government of the Congo is responsible for investigating and prosecuting the troops and the police that they contribute to the peace mission. So can you bring us up to date, if you would know, on the actions that the government of the Republic of Congo has taken to prosecute the criminal conduct of these troops and have the soldiers been brought to justice? Thank you for that question. I think it's a very important issue and I, I share your description of uh, the things that have happened as outrageous and as unacceptable. And it's also been a, a a sentiment that has been echoed uh, by our embassy in Brazzaville over the years. Um, as you noted, uh, the Republic of Congo has had peacekeepers in the Central African Republic for more than a decade now. Um, there have been incidents over that period of time, more than one, several, um, that are on an unacceptable level. Since 2014, the U.S. has been providing training for troops before they go uh, through our ACOTA program. Um, that training is uh, filled with a human rights component. The effort is, is to make sure that soldiers understand uh, these issues and the importance of them in moving forward. Nevertheless, and I say with great concern, since the time of that training began, we still have had another series of incidents that occurred. So this is of deep concern to us. We've raised it with the government of the Republic of Congo repeatedly. Uh, the government has condemned these uh, incidents when they've occurred. They've withdrawn the soldiers back from the Central African Republic and brought them back to Congo, and they've moved to have charges pressed against them. The, but the truth is, is that action has not been taken. There can be several reasons for that. Um, one is that the government of Congo does not have a military justice system, so cases are funneled into the normal civilian court system. And frankly, the normal civilian court system is, lacks the capacity to function effectively and does not function well. And, but the second, frankly, and I have not been on the ground yet, but we have to wonder about the, 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 the will in order to prosecute these cases. I can assure you that if I'm confirmed, this will be something very important to us. It's very difficult for us to continue to support uh, peacekeeping operations to the extent that there isn't any action taken on cases like this. So let me, let me echo your concerns, and I, I do indeed share them. Well, I, I appreciate it, because it makes me, it leads to the next question, as you say, if you're confirmed and encouraging that as the U.S. ambassador, then what steps, when you're on the ground, uh, could you take to ensure that, that their government, their government takes the, the crimes as seriously as we all do and, and holds the troops accountable? Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, sir, I, I, I will say that over the years I've worked on a number of human rights issues. I find that different strategies work in different ways. I think it's important to get on the ground and figure out what is the most important approach. But I assure you that this will be a top pri 
priority for me if confirmed. Thank you. Um, uh, Ambassador, if I could visit with you for a second about Al-Qaeda uh, in, uh, in the Islamic Maghreb uh, and related groups have threatened to attack Senegal. You're well aware of the, the threats that are out there. The, uh, in February of 2016, the Chief of Staff of Senegal's Armed Forces stated, quote, terrorism can hit anywhere, and so we must protect ourselves. So, so how would you characterize currently the government's ability to respond and confront terrorist threats, which we know exist? Thank you, Senator, for that question. Uh, that falls directly into what our priorities are in, uh, in, mm -hmm. in Senegal. Uh, in addition to the economic growth that we are pursuing and the private investment, uh, one piece that we, have involved, we, we are involved in, we are continuing to invest uh, in, in it, is peace and security. And working with our DOD colleagues, especially AFRICAM, and uh, as I said in my uh, statement, uh, in 2016, December 2016, we just signed this defense cooperation agreement that gives us access to the law enforcement of Senegal, the security forces of Senegal, to work together and see how we can uh, prevent, if not prevent, uh, deter, if we don't deter, how we can respond if it happens. So we are working in all those areas and strengthening the capabilities of the local security forces uh, to respond to, such, uh, to, to such, uh, such acts. Of course, once I was in Burkina Faso when we had the terrorist attack in January 2016, a few months later it was in, uh, in, uh, in Cote d'Ivoire. So the talk was that next will be Senegal. So because of that, everybody, the locals, and us, the partners, we are mobilized to do everything we can uh, to, uh, uh, to be ready if, if it happens. Of course, terrorism now, it's a global, global issue, and Senegal is aware, and we are aware of that as well. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Well, thank you, and thank you all. And again, we apologize for the shortened hearing. We just came under the time that we had for the Gorsuch hearings, I think. It was Close to that? Yes. No, no. no. But uh, we appreciate uh, your, your uh, service and the answers that you gave. Uh, one thing that is heartening, as uh, Senator Booker uh, will learn on this committee, able to travel as well to Africa and, and run into people in uh, other capacities in our embassies that then are nominated uh, for an ambassadorship or move from ambassador from one country to another, like uh, Ambassador Mashinki. And uh, I, I just uh, have learned to appreciate uh, uh, the expertise and the professionalism that uh, our diplomatic corps, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa, has. And it's, it's wonderful in this committee to deal mostly with career foreign service officers that, uh, that really know their stuff. And that certainly is the case here. Again, thank you and thank you to your family for the sacrifices that uh, your families make uh, um, for our country. And thank you and with the thanks of the committee, the hearing record will remain open until Friday. We'd ask the witnesses to respond promptly if there are questions uh, submitted so that it can be part of the hearing record. With the thanks to the committee, we stand adjourned.